Welcome to another episode of the Empower LA podcast, the podcast where we discuss all things neighborhood council with the people who live, work, and play in the city of LA. This is your host, Brett Shears from the Department of Neighborhood Empowerment. Thank you all so much for your patience as we took a brief hiatus for the holidays. We are back and ready to bring you plenty of great episodes for the upcoming year. Our guest for this episode is Ken Draper, a founding board member from the Mid-City West Community Council and editor-publisher for LA's most notorious watchdog, City Watch. Ken has been one of the most active and prominent voices in the Neighborhood Council community since its inception. In our conversation, Ken talks about the origins of the Neighborhood Council system. The public has become cynical. They don't believe that the people at City Hall listen to them. How Neighborhood Councils have evolved since their early days. I feel the same way about the Neighborhood Council concept. The concept is special. We just haven't figured out yet how to make it work. And what he thinks they can and deserve to be. I want a voice so loud that City Hall has to listen to you. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Empower LA podcast. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I want to start by asking you, what is your name and title? Uh, Ken Draper. I'm the editor-publisher of City Watch. Thanks so much for doing this, Ken. I appreciate you. We're actually recording from your home. This is the first time we've recorded really on-site, so we appreciate you welcoming us in your home and letting us do this. So. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, before we get jump into neighborhood council stuff, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from, you know, where you grew up, and how you got to this point in your career. Uh, I'm from uh, um, the Midwest. Was born in uh, uh, Illinois about a thousand years ago, <laughs> and uh, spent uh, and, and left the uh, absolute minute that I could uh, get out. Was it uh, that bad? <laughs> Uh, the, um, I started, uh, college, uh, at, uh, Illinois State uh, University and, but knew uh, early on uh, that I wanted to be in broadcasting. I had a close friend who was in broadcasting and, and so at 16, I was hanging around radio stations and, uh, and figured out that I could do better, um, going to work than going, staying in college. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, I, I dropped out of college in the first year and I have been doing what I'm doing in one form or another for all of these uh, years. And that's a lot of years. I spent about 40 years in broadcasting. Uh, I was the executive editor of KFWB All News Radio. Give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world, that's mine. <laughs> and uh, was a, a vice president of programming uh, for uh, Westinghouse, which became Westinghouse CBS, and programmed rockers. If you Google uh, Ken Draper and radio, you'll find all of that history uh, there. Uh, I also have um, uh, spent time uh, with uh, print and uh, publications, uh, uh, editing, uh, eye on the arts, and things of that nature. Uh, at the moment, I'm doing City Watch. It's 16 years old. City Watch started as a result of neighborhood councils. Um, in the early going, there was a group of neighborhood council people who were trying to figure out how they could have a voice, a single voice, uh, we had all of these folks representing individual communities, 
<clears throat> but they shared certain views that were citywide. Uh, for example, whether taxes are raised or not is a citywide issue. It's not just a community issue. Right. Uh, whether the streets are fixed and so on, citywide issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so they were looking for a way, and I suggested to them that they um, um, publish a, a uh, newsletter and uh, do it independently, have it advertiser-supported so that they didn't owe the city anything, didn't mm -hmm. have any obligations. Everybody on the committee, there were about 30 people, thought it was a great idea, but nobody did anything. And I... I don't, I'm not patient with that, uh, with people who talk but don't act. And so a friend of mine, Mark Siegel, who was uh, doing a thing called Charter Watch uh, before the charter and before the creation of neighborhood councils, uh, and I started City Watch on our own. I said, well, we'll do it then. And uh, from Charter Watch, we went to City Watch, and that was the beginning. And our first uh, distribution was to 255 people. Uh, in what form did it take? Was it a uh, it was, physical newsletter? It was a physical newsletter, and there was no internet at that uh, at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the we now are at 123,000 uh, subscribers and four and a half million clicks a week. Wow. So uh, we've grown over 16 years, and we've grown beyond uh, just to, uh, being a voice for neighborhood councils. Mm -hmm. The real goal for City Watch with neighborhood councils is to provide some credibility for councils. I want we don't separate neighborhood council news and um, uh, and views from other news as though it's less important. Mm -hmm. um, if you're writing about neighborhood councils, it gets the same positioning uh, in this in what we publish as everything else. Yeah, it's Donald Trump, and so it's yeah, as Donald Trump. So it's about what you know. The lead is what is it that I have at the moment that's going to interest the reader, and not let's see what do we have, and then what do we do with neighborhood councils. <laughs> so we have always published neighborhood council. Content and neighborhood council council of views and and news, uh, uh, with the same um, uh, credibility and importance as, as uh, others, but we grow. We simply have grown um, beyond that. With the re the readership is way beyond neighborhood council participation, um, and it's also one of the reasons that looking to the future, if there is a future for neighborhood councils that the use of City Watch has a value. We reach a bunch of people mm -hmm. who at the moment have no idea what neighborhood councils are. Right. Uh, anyway, so I uh, publish uh, City Watch, and we're still at it. We're growing. Uh, we're, we're working on a, um, uh, a Washington, D.C. Uh, City Watch, and we're working on radio and video uh, programming for content, City Watch. Yeah. So uh, it, it continues uh, to grow. It's a 24-7 job, and um, that's where I am today. That's great. Thank you for that. Uh, so this whole project, the City Watch project, started, you know, talking about the neighborhood council system. You talked about how you expanded since then, and really you've brought in a lot of people who might not have otherwise heard of neighborhood councils. But going back, what 
was your first experience with this neighborhood council system? I mean, it, it's, you know, 20 years on now. Um, you talked about Charter Watch existing, predating the, the neighborhood council system. What Do you remember, what, what was it? What was your first experience with it all? At the time they were, that they, they were preparing for the charter, uh, the, the, um, uh, the mayor was Reardon, Mayor Reardon, and um, one, of the th one of the major changes they wanted to make in the charter was to give the, um, uh, the mayor more uh, power, more administrative power. And this was early to mid-90s, right? This was uh, in 1998. And the neighboring councils were a part of that charter, as a result of Joel Wax. Joel Wax was a council person in Los Angeles a number of years ago. In 1992, he ran for mayor, and his chief of staff then, Greg Nelson, who later was a general manager for the Department of Neighbor Empowerment for five years, uh, had an idea for the neighborhood councils, for neighborhood councils. They called them at that time family of neighborhoods, hmm. and it became a plank in, in Joel Wax's campaign when he ran for mayor. He didn't, uh, he didn't win, uh, but the idea stayed uh, with him. It's now 1996. Joel Wax said, uh, the public has become cynical. They don't believe that the people at City Hall listen to them. And, uh, and he, he restarted the neighborhood council idea. Only instead of family of neighborhoods, he called it neighborhood councils. Mm -hmm. And they were born then. And two different groups were formed to create neighborhood, the, the language for the charter for neighborhood councils. That's about when I became involved because Joel was promoting the concept. Mm -hmm. And I liked the concept. I liked the concept the same way I like the concept of democracy. Now, this country hasn't figured out how to make democracy work after 250 years mm -hmm. yet, but it doesn't mean, and we get confused between the country and the idea, and the idea of democracy remains uh, special, uh, even though we haven't figured out how to make it work. And I feel the same way about the neighborhood council concept. The concept is special. We just haven't figured out yet how to make it work. And in any case, that was the beginning. And, and I, I felt that, that as a charter change, uh, if I was going to participate in it, I had an agreement with the city. And one of the things that the charter demands is that the city, uh, and when they create neighborhood councils, provide places for the city to meet, for the neighborhood councils to meet yeah. and, and, and supports them, shows them how to, to, to form their organizations and so on. So I felt I had a contract with the city and, and therefore it wasn't just a block club, it wasn't just a homeowner association. Mm -hmm. uh, I could go yell at the council and say, wait a minute, you, it says here in the charter, you have to do this for me and we can do it. That was the beginning of my involvement with neighborhood councils and the finish to this long paragraph is I then decided that I would start a council myself and my community and I did. And I founded Mid-City West uh, and we didn't have a group. We, this was not a, a neighborhood council that began as the result of 
a group that already existed, and we right. just went out. It was just me, one person. Mm-hmm. And I called one person, and I said, I need your help. And she had a great Rolodex, and we began calling people and talking to people, and it expanded expanded. We held over 40 meetings in this community before we f- formed this neighborhood council. And uh, uh, so that uh, that was the beginning uh, of my experience with with neighborhood councils. They they uh, uh, City Watch came along, and the neighborhood councils, uh, the 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 certification of neighborhood councils began. Uh, we began City Watch in two thousand two. Council. The first council was two thousand and one, uh, uh, and the and City Watch uh, began to participate in the process. Uh, the first major achievement of neighborhood councils was the memorandum of understanding with the Department of Water and Power. Mm-hmm. The Department of Water and Power is an empire, and they they for years had paid no attention to anyone. They didn't have to. They were unique, the only public, the largest public-owned utility. And the people running it were kings. And they literally, when they wanted to raise rates, they raised the rates and so on. As it happened, they were about to raise rates when neighborhood councils were formed. And a guy named Jim Alger, a neighborhood council person, went down to that meeting and said, you can't do that. It says in the charter that you have to tell neighborhood councils what you're doing, and they get to offer their, in time, for them to offer their viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning. We then, we, they, they, we, we got the, the department, a couple of people from the department, uh, Jerry Gayway, who was the, 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 running the water side of the department. We met in a crummy little room over in the farmer's market and signed a letter of intent. We then spent nine months putting together this MOU, and the neighborhood councils had forced this huge department to come to terms and negotiate with them over the this memorandum of understanding. The first major achievement for neighborhood councils, and it offered credibility that there was power when neighborhood council voices got together. Mm-hmm. They came by the dozens, and, and and Jim would go to the meetings and say, "If you don't, if you don't meet with us, I'll have two hundred p- people picketing in front of your place." That was the neighborhood council concept and idea then. Uh, what it is now is another subject, but City Watch mediated that negotiation and along the way participated in changes. We, we, we got the mayor to agree, City Watch, to uh, allow neighborhood councils to sit in on the committees that interviewed incoming uh, general managers, for example. Mm-hmm unheard of that right. that the people actually had a, had a had a place there and so on so city watch participated and grew as the neighborhood councils did but made a contribution when you uh, say city process. watch what, what role did they have in that process what role did city watch you know 
Well, we actually wrote the the first of all, we we were the voice. We were the place that if if no one else would cover. I mean, the time certainly wasn't going to cover the MOU. Mm-hmm. The the fact that we had a letter of of uh, intent with the MOU uh, with the with the Department of Neighbor uh, of Modern uh, uh, Power, uh, and so City Watch offered a voice that was being reached by a quality group. It was being reached by it was being reached by council members and people in City Hall, mm-hmm. and uh, and by the 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 uh, uh, people that we were negotiating uh, with. So we me- we helped mediate the process. We got the groups together and let them do the arguing and the fighting to get it uh, uh, accomplished. Well, I think that that's certainly an example of a great success. And you talked about it, it might have been in some ways the zenith because you talked about and you alluded to, you know, some of the um, changes that have happened in the system. That, that success... Um, in context, is there anything that you see as a particular setback, either while your experience of serving neighborhood council or just things that you've witnessed since then? Uh, I, I'm not sure that, that that I can answer that in in uh, briefly, but the you know in general, <laughs> it's just the the, the disappointment um, in. What neighborhood councils have have, have become uh, the most of the people at the moment in neighborhood councils don't have any idea why the neighborhood councils were created. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not read Article Nine. It's really short and simple, but it's it's why they're there. They wouldn't be there without it, and they should at least take a look and understand. What the charter, you know, the fact that it, that they're there because of the charter, is, is uh, uh, incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not a block club that you and I start. You and I can go start a club if we want, right? But we don't have any. We can't make any demands on the city. Mm-hmm. But with the charter, uh, there are demands on the city. It, it demands that the city support neighborhood councils, and and it gives certain responsibilities to neighborhood councils. And again, as I said earlier, because of the charter and because it was in the charter, uh, participating in the neighborhood council gave me some power that you don't have otherwise. Right. Uh, so as I look at neighborhood councils today, uh, a great majority of the people who are in those councils really believe that their major assignment is the distribution of the funding that they receive. Mm-hmm. And if you ask, tell me what the four things are that the charter asks of neighborhood councils, I promise you there are very, very few people uh, in, currently in neighborhood councils who can tell you. Uh, maybe the, uh, 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 the, the the president of a bank or someone again, but, <laughs> yeah. and and that's and 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 yet every year they meet. Uh, in in the beginning, when neighborhood councils every election, the, all of the incoming people sat for indoctrination. They they sat and heard this same story that you and I are sharing right now, all yeah. over again. Why they were created and 
what they were doing there and so on. That doesn't happen. They don't they don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. Most of them most of them actually believe they're there as a representative and yet this is a participatory democracy, neighborhood councils. And uh, so they don't know why they're there. And many of them have come out of homeowner associations and expect the neighborhood council to perform in the kind of of, of homeowner association format. Nothing wrong with block clubs. There's nothing wrong with, with, with homeowner associations. I'm just saying they're different. Yeah. They are not in the charter. They're not charter prescribed as neighborhood councils mm-hmm. are. So it's sad now, all of these years later, uh, to uh, watch the neighborhood have major issues going on in the city and not have any response from the neighborhood councils. The, the neighborhood councils, the charter asks the neighborhood councils to promote uh, uh, in, in civic engagement and to uh, be a represent to to be a voice uh, for the communities and the neighborhoods that they represent. And the, today, it's there in the early going. You couldn't go to a meeting. You couldn't go to a commission meeting and not have neighborhood council people there. And in fact, at the planning commission, time used to be set aside in public comment just for. There were so many people from neighborhood councils just for neighborhood councils. Mm. Today, you can go to meeting after meeting after meeting. There's anybody from neighborhood councils there. The idea of dealing with issues or asking their communities what it is they're after or what their needs are and being a voice for that community doesn't exist anymore. Again, unfortunately, people believe that um, to redesign medians and get scoreboards for schools and give cameras to the police is the way to spend that funding. Mm-hmm. And the funding is there to, to help the councils do what the charter asks them to do, to promote civic engagement. And while we're on the subject of, of funding and disappointing disappointments, probably the biggest mistake that neighborhood councils that was made in the creation of councils was accepting funding from the city. The minute the council took the city's money, it became a city agency, as opposed to an independent. The the original concept was that that each council was a reflection of its neighborhood and was an independent body and owed no one. In fact, in the beginning, Greg Nelson's idea was that they would be supported by grants and mm-hmm. other things, and have no obligation. Yeah, have no ob- But at the moment, the city council can overturn anything you do. We're mm-hmm. still working for the city council. We we have neighborhood councils who believe that it's really special that they have a good relationship with the city council person. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, the idea was that they were going to be overseeing that department mm-hmm. and make sure they delivered services and so on. You can't be in bed with the person that you're going to oversee. Mm. It doesn't work that way. And just just for the people who don't know, so you know, neighborhood councils are allocated an annual amount, you know, from the the city in these about forty two thousand dollars right now, but it's changed over time. So you're saying that this money, in some ways, is kind of consent to being overseen rather than being really 
someone that you are overseeing, the neighborhood councils are overseeing the departments or the city entities. Yeah, I'm saying that the council should have rejected that idea in the, themselves in the beginning. The neighborhood council. But they thought been. it was a windfall. And, mm -hmm. and the idea of actually, I mean, imagine that you've been an activist for a long time. And, you, and, and the problems of raising funds to go actually do something is always, you know, ask any politician. They spend most of their time trying to raise, raise funds. Yeah. So here's the city giving you the money. But it was during the, the secession debate. And, and it was a great idea in Han's mind. Uh, because if they had the neighborhood councils on his side, they're not going to want to give up the money. They're going to want to keep the councils, mm -hmm. and it would provide more support for him in the fight against secession. In the meantime, they gave up their souls, and so uh, they're, they're, they're now just city agencies reporting to the city council, mm -hmm. many of whom have no—you know, it's their, their attention to neighborhood councils is only because they have to. It's not because they think this is a great idea. That's it, it, it's because they, they don't have an option. Yeah. And some of them, even even with that understanding, are, don't have very good relationships with their councils. What, what kind of lessons do you think we can glean from this, you know, what, what you clearly view as a, a degradation of either whether it's understanding or exertion of power or responsibilities of neighborhood councils, what kind of lessons have you learned or, you know, can we all collectively learn and try to at least apply going forward? Is there anything? Well, this is a, we're actually in a, in a, in a wonderful era, I, I think. It's the most divided, uh, and and you can tell by looking at me. I've lived a long time in this country. It's the most divided this country has uh, ever been. And you're gonna have to pull it back, as you just said and, that that's wonderful. Uh, no, so. it's, no, it's not. No, the wonderful part is that people uh, that it has spawned an activism mm -hmm. that uh, that actually has a value. Uh, it, it, you could always get uh, have, have people to march for a few minutes or carry a sign or do something. Mm -hmm. But uh, as with Me Too and other things that are going on today, uh, it's uh, it, the, the power of people coming together with a voice. There are seniors who are gathering in large groups to fight issues that, that are senior issues and so on. And I'm telling you that, that if the neighborhood councils ever decide to use the power of the voices that they have, mm -hmm. if the department ever decides to teach them how, you know, I don't give you the fish, I teach you how to fish. Right. I don't give you the bread, I teach you how to make the bread, the whole mm -hmm. story. And, and if neighborhood councils would simply understand why they're here, and understand how to harness the power they have. You have to imagine for just a moment how difficult it is to do to get the Department of Water and Power to do anything for you. They are too big. You can't even the city council can't. Mm -hmm. But there was neighborhood councils forcing them to sit in this crummy little room to sign that agreement to sit down and negotiate with neighborhood councils? 
And then people wanted to jump on the bandwagon. All of a sudden, there were people showing up to help us. Right. City council members were showing up to give us some help, didn't need their help, didn't want their help. Neighbor councils did it by themselves. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, when it was finally done, we had an agreement with the Department of Water and Power. And it was presented to the city council. And there was at one councilman, Tony Cardenas, who wanted to 245 it. He wanted to take control of it himself. And he said, uh, I think that the council should vote to take this thing under consideration and think about it. And we got, we got people stood in line to, to talk to him about it and said, you can't, it's not yours. You can't have it. No way. It's not going to, we just came here to tell you about it. <laughs> That's how powerful those voices were. And for nine months, those people came to every meeting, neighborhood councils together. Now I'm telling you, if they, if, if with the department's help, uh, with some understanding of how it works to do that, with some understanding of why neighborhood councils were created, that still exists. And it's at a, at a good time in the country where people in general are beginning to get it. Mm -hmm. I have to speak up myself. Mm -hmm. I can't just leave it up to you. I have to participate in the process. Good time for that. Yeah. And that, that really anticipated my you know, my next question, which is, you know, you talked about the mission of the Neighborhood Council. You talked about its explicit role laid out in the charter. Um, I think it's fair to say you don't think we're achieving our goals, right? Is that accurate? That's accurate, yes. Well, what can we do? You talked about this people coming together. Are there any tangible steps we can take to really fulfill this mission, this, you know, all that's laid out in the charter, all that you envision and its connection to democracy, what tangible steps can we take? I wish I could, I wish I had some, a positive thing to say. Uh, it, it, the, 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 I mean, the, there we we have a the the system that we all face is the same system that gets in the way of of doing what you're talking about we we have a system where all of the general managers all the department heads are hired by the mayor and so it's a political becomes a political job not nominated not hired by the neighborhood councils and not picking their own leadership and so on and so we're, and then everything that we do, everything that neighborhood councils do now is also overseen by, uh, they, there's even a committee. It wasn't not, when people started neighborhood councils, it wasn't envisioned that there would be a committee on the city council that would actually try to oversee right. a neighborhood councils who were supposed to be overseeing them. <laughs> but there, there it is. But it, if, if it were possible to free the leadership of Dunn, in somewhere, the, the, the responsibility for making neighborhood councils work uh, is Dunn's. The, char the charter said, create this body that will create these neighborhood councils mm -hmm. and support them and make them work. That's what it's the sole thing mm -hmm. is to work for the council. The council does not work for the city right and and so if that department had the ability 
had enough people, had the, had the support to do it. But the very people that, that ought to be doing that are hired by the politicians that are the problem. Mm-hmm. And so you sit back and say, How's that? That, there's nothing about that that's logical, and there's nothing about that that's hopeful. That isn't going to change. Mm-hmm. The, 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 any more than, than the, city, the city council itself represents too many people, you know, 250, 60,000 people too many. Mm-hmm. Ought to be, there ought to be 20 council people. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You ever look at the division at, at, at the, the, lines, the yeah, uh, I mean, uh, District Four, you know, my God, it was, you know, it's just craziness, and yet uh, nobody there is going to change it. Yeah. That it's the system, and so as long as neighborhood councils are the result of that system, I can't imagine them changing. And that's the problem. Do, do you think more outside parts, participation from more people could lend itself to changing or improving things? And I preface that with a larger question about what's one thing about the neighborhood council system that people who may not know about it that you'd want them to understand better? Because you've talked about the understanding of the charter for the current neighborhood council board members, but maybe just people in general. What what should they understand better about the neighborhood council? And might that understanding bring in more people? The the perhaps the most important part is that you personally get to participate in the council. It it isn't uh, if if you're unhappy with city council, the idea of going out and running for city council is for most, for most of us, we're, you know, the, what it would cost to do it, all those things. Yeah. But with neighborhood councils, you actually can go run for office. You can go serve on committees. Mm-hmm. You can go participate. Right. And you can take issues and you can oversee those issues yourself. Right. And so the, the it's the it's the concept itself is the reason to participate. It's a wonderful concept. Mm-hmm. The sad part is I'm not hopeful that, that 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 that's possible. But what is happening is more. It doesn't mean we don't have activists because that's what City Watch is about. Mm-hmm. It's full of influencers. That's those are the people who read City Watch. Right. And I'm telling you, they don't care about it anymore. Mm. They'll they'll go to court instead. They find other ways. More lawsuits filed against the city than ever before. Think of the money we spend defending ourselves from. And it's if you want to get it done, it's easier to go to court mm-hmm. than that count. Go to a neighborhood council. Are we serious? Right. Who do they go to then? They go to the people who can throw them out if they want to. They can go. They go to the people who can. Tell them uh, <laughs> what to change their bylaws, right. and or that they're not going to get that that their funding. Mm-hmm. They can take their funding away from them. All those things. Right. But uh, but I, I can if if I'm if I'm going to go out and raise funds, I might as well just get a lawyer and go to court because I'll get more satisfaction. And there are the the good part. Good news is there are more activists than ever before. People willing to get into the process. The bad news is. That neighborhood councils, as long as they're controlled by city council, aren't going to be much more than they are. 
at the moment. We, you know, we talk about the Department of Empowerment's role in this. Um, we're supposed to be empowering the, the individuals, supposed to be helping them out to do a lot of these things that you talked about. All this I know is very personal to you given how much time and energy you've given to this system and it's always an amazing thing to see that. But what does this concept of empowerment mean to you? How, how should it play out? You know, definitional and actionable. What, what is empowerment? It, 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 means, uh, uh, it means what Joel Wax said it meant in the beginning when he said that people have become cynical and apathetic and they don't believe anyone is listening. And it provides a voice that forces people to listen if you use it right. Mm. And I keep going back to the DWP MOU. It forced them to the table to participate in the process and gave credibility to neighborhood councils and gave a voice to the communities and, 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 and created a lesson, you know, an example right. for neighborhood councils who to this day haven't gotten it. The, the, the MOU is an individual agreement between neighborhood count, each neighborhood council and the department. There are many, many, many neighborhood councils who have not signed on because they don't understand that. Right. They think it's all, you know. At the moment, neighborhood, you go to a neighborhood council and you're on the planning committee and you get all of that planning information at the same time that the developer hands it out to everybody, same time the city right. gets it. That's a result of the MOU with DWP because the next group we went to was planning mm -hmm. and she said it'll take us a year or two to get the MOU, but she said we can start by doing this. In the meantime, there's another group, the, the, the transportation department, sitting there with an MOU that's about a paragraph short of being finished. Where are neighborhood councils? Why aren't the neighborhood councils? Where are they? Mm -hmm. Why why aren't they? You know, mm -hmm. so it, it, the the great thing is that that the idea allows you and me, ordinary people, to get into the process and have a voice. And the bad news is that we haven't figured it out yet, mm -hmm. and we're still all these years later thinking that it's just a glorified homeowner association that gets free money hmm. from the city. That's sad. Yeah. Well, I, I know that, that that's a message that I, I hope people take seriously. Um, I, I, there is, I still think, a lot of power in the neighborhood councils for the people who are there willing to seize it. I would love to see more of that, but, you know, I share some of your, you know, concerns. Just me personally, someone who's been on neighborhood council board and now with the department, and I, I hope to heed your, your call, and I hope others do too. But before we go, did you have any final thoughts on, on anything? Be I, I don't, uh, one last thought on neighbor councils. They, I, I don't believe that, that uh, out of the 2,000 folks that are currently serving on boards, uh, that, that they're, these are 2,000 losers. That's okay. not what I, what I believe. Uh, I believe there are a bunch of losers participating, but I also believe there are some bright people uh, of all ages, mm -hmm. some bright young people in, in, in the system, and there's some bright people who care, work hard, and haven't quite figured it, haven't gotten that quite moving right yet, but they're doing good things and they're, and, and, and they're trying. So, uh, I, you know, somewhere that, and, and 
and this is a, it's a wonderful city, you know, for all of the complaints that yeah, we spend time on, mm-hmm. whether it's streets or homelessness or whatever it is, um, we, we still wind up loving the city. Uh, and that's true of me and of City Watch and, and you know, so on. But um, I think there are a lot of people who, if anyone ever puts it together, uh, can be powerful in the city. Can be. I want to. I want to. I want a voice so loud that City Hall has to listen to mm-hmm. you. And you have neighborhood councils can do that, but if not councils, we'll find another way. We'll find other, other groups and other organizations. They're around. Uh, I want to thank you so much for your time, Ken. Thanks for helping us find a way. One of the, you know. I'll say you're one of the OG neighborhood council people, one of the original <laughs> guys out there. And that's why we fought so hard to get out here and to sit down with you because I really appreciate what you have to say and giving us your time. Thanks so much, Ken. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Empower LA podcast. As always, you can learn more about the neighborhood council system at empowerla.org, where you can find information about all the neighborhood councils that make the city of LA a better place. You can also check out our show notes for the episode if you want to learn a bit more about the topics we discussed. The Empower Lay podcast is available in a variety of formats for all your listening needs. If you are so inclined, please leave us a review so we can get the word out about neighborhood councils. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you.